You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Take you to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, and we'll read four verses of Scripture beginning at verse number 6. Isaiah 55 and 6, and he declares, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. How many are thankful for the pardon? He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We could read this whole chapter, but I would focus just on this. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. I want to preach, if I can, the next few moments tonight, a window of opportunity. A window of opportunity. Would you lay your Bibles down and let's ask the Lord to have His way tonight. God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your Spirit. I thank You for the presence of the Lord that we feel in this house, for every testimony, every praise that has already been lifted. We've been blessed. But God, I pray now that You speak into our life and speak to our soul. Let Your Spirit accomplish the fullness of its measure for us here today. This house tonight, God, let every child, every man, every woman, God, be submitted to the will and the kingdom of God. Lord, let there be a book of Acts experience, God, fall upon us. Fill those, God, that have never received your spirit. Stir up the gift in us, Lord, that have walked in your presence. In the name of the Lord tonight, God, we give you glory and honor and praise. Hallelujah. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time tonight? I declare your glory tonight. I praise you tonight, God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Turn around to somebody and tell them, I hope pastor doesn't preach long tonight. Amen. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. It was probably 2014. I cannot remember. Maybe 2012. I think actually it was 2012. And my wife and I spent a lot of time in New England. We were privileged to travel the country, and we spent a lot of time in New England. Love New England landscape, heritage, just way. It's so unique. And we had never been to the state of Vermont, and so we decided that we would go to the state of Vermont. We had about, I think, a three- or four-day window. And so... uh, you can drive from one state to the other in just a few hours. Literally, you can cross states in a few hours. So we left Connecticut that morning, drove through Massachusetts, and come into Vermont. And if you've never been to Vermont, how many have been to Vermont? Beautiful state, beautiful place. And uh, well, I know you've been to Vermont, right? Obviously, living up there. And, and uh, one of the most beautiful places in the nation come fall time for the foliage, the the uh, interstate, I'm trying to think what interstate is at 90, it's not 95 that goes up into Vermont. I can't remember what interstate it is. 95 goes over to Boston and up through New Hampshire and Maine. But the interstate there in fall time, 
on an evening will be bumper-to-bumper traffic just for people going to look at the changing of the leaves. And Vermont is beautiful. They have uh, ordinances that prohibit any sign anywhere. And so it is a billboard-free state, sign-free state. And so the, the brilliant greens that would bleed through at the summertime, it was not yet fall. We were there probably, it was July or August when we were there. And we decided we wanted to do some hiking. So I googled some trails, found a nice place, stop off the side of the road, remote place, and we chose, not really knowing what we were choosing, we chose the Weathersfield Trail at Mount Escutney because of its challenge, not because of our knowledge of anything. And so we, we bit off more than we could chew, let's say that, and we started up. And uh, I was okay going up, but on the descent it was torture, and my calves were screaming, and uh, it was a beautiful hike though, it takes in one of the largest long waterfalls, which at this time of the year is a trickle, and so we saw one of the most beautiful trickles all, that all Vermont had, but we enjoyed as we were going up, it literally was a stair-step climb, you start, and it would be like going up these stairs for about two miles. And it was nonstop, constant, straight up, switch back, back and forth. And at parts, you're grabbing trees and roots to pull yourself up. And it was gorgeous. Part way up, about three quarters of the way, we came to a little sign. There was a fork where another trail crossed over. And it said, hang gliders platform this way. And so I needed a break from going up. And not to let my wife know that I was tired, I said, it would be good for you if we took a detour and paused a moment and went this way. And so we walked out to what we did not know, had no clue, we were not expecting it, but we walked out to the hang gliders platform. There was this large platform, a little bit, maybe a little bit smaller than than the totality of this platform, and uh, you walk to the edge, it wasn't a far drop because the, the mountain did have a decline, so it wasn't a cliff, but it was far enough, and I didn't go straight to the edge, all the way to the edge, but you get close, and you could feel the uh, updraft, the upcurrent of the wind as it was coming out of the west, and it would hit that mountain, and then it would force its way up, making the perfect place for hang gliders to launch. We stopped and enjoyed a wonderful little time there, moment there, and I thought, man, it'd be so cool if we saw some people out there doing that. How cool would that be? And We were getting ready to leave and go finish. We did make it to the summit. We did make it to the summit that day, and we did make it down uh, by dark eventually, and uh, even though that was pretty hard, pretty difficult. But while we were there, we were getting ready to walk off of the platform, and all of the sudden... A glider, not a hang glider, but an actual glider, large glider. If you've ever seen them, the no motor, no, no propellers, but it's a very slender, narrow thing fit for one individual in there, and the wings are very narrow, but they go straight out so far. And all of a sudden, a glider had caught the updraft and came flying up right in front of us. And 
all of a sudden we're, we're panicking. I'm trying to pull my camera out and trying to snap this moment and get this shot before he's gone. And right there, there was a thermal lift and he began just doing figure eights right there over us. Me and Janelle had a private audience. I couldn't have planned it. I couldn't have paid for it. But I took her to one of the most romantic times as we sat there. There, a glider had figure eight right there. Just us. We were the only audience. And he would tip his wave. And we would wave. And had the camera. And, and, and he was excited and happy. And we were excited and happy. And, and probably, I don't know, we probably spent about half an hour longer there as we were watching that moment. And we walked on. I did not know this at the time, but later on, looking into it, I, I discovered that the very trail we were on was the main trail to the hang glider platform. There was, I found out later, a cheater road that you could drive all the way to the platform for you lazy folks if you ever make it out to Vermont. But Mount Escutney is the premier hang gliding site in all of New England. Notable for its excellent soaring, it's not unusual, they say, for the hang gliders to fly from that point at Mount Escutney across to nearby states. Some trips will stretch as far as 90 miles. But in 2002, the record is held by Kurt Warren, who flew from that very platform 131.6 miles all the way into the state of Connecticut. There is a window of opportunity because in order for it to work, it's situated. The window there is greater than other places, which is what makes it the premier spot because as it's situated that 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 wind coming up into the northern uh, uh, Appalachians, slamming into the western side and then causing a dynamic lift, what they call, as it would shoot up, makes it the perfect place for somebody to step off and to uh, glide for such a long time. But there is nonetheless still a window of opportunity if there is a storm. You don't want to jump off that platform. If, if the wind turns and it's coming from the east, the dynamic lift will disappear. And after that dynamic lift, if their temperature is not right, you cannot bridge the gap from the dynamic lift to a thermal lift and continue on. There is a window of opportunity and so they will check and they will make sure that it's right before they launch out. The window of opportunity is also known as the critical window, a period of time in which some action can be taken that will achieve the desired or a desired outcome. Once the period is over, the window, they say, is closed. The critical window would apply to many things. It would apply here in the Midwest to the typical farmer and planting and harvest seizing. There's a, there's a window of opportunity to plant for you to reap a harvest this year and then the window closes and you'll have to wait all the way through the revolution of seasons until the next year. There's a window of opportunity or a critical window that they speak about in market opportunities and investment. If you play the market, if you understand investments, there's opportunities and some things 
will, will be uh, uh, great gains in certain areas and great loss in other seasons, and you have to hit the window right. One of the most, one of the most important windows of opportunity is what they call the golden hour or the golden window. It's known not to be a literal hour, but that golden hour is the period of time following a traumatic injury during which there is the highest likelihood that prompt medical and surgical treatment will prevent death. There's a window of opportunity after tragedy comes in. We come to Isaiah chapter 55, and here he is speaking as the oracle and the mouthpiece of God. It is a chapter of hope. It is a chapter of promise. It is a chapter of blessing. He begins and says, Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, I like that part, come ye and buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. The prophecy begins and lets us know that there is a provision that God has made available and you are not disqualified by your lack. You are not disqualified by your type or your kind, but this is for whosoever will. This is for everyone that is thirsty, everyone that is desirous. That's all that is required is that you have a hunger and a thirst. He goes on. And then later on at the end, he's going to follow uh, it up and, and, and seal the chapter with a promise, with a declaration. He gives to us a biblical, eternal truth. And that is this, in verse 11, he said, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. God was declaring that I am going to have a church. I am going to have a people that are redeemed. It does not matter how insurmountable it appears. The truth, the eternal everlasting truth is that God's word will not return void. But it will accomplish everything he set about to accomplish. Sandwiched in between this open invitation and this declaration of the truth of the Word of God is a window of opportunity. Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. It's a window of opportunity. The moment has come. The time is right. The winds are blowing just right. The dynamic lift is here. This is the moment for you to sail. This is the moment for you to find provision. This is the moment and the hour of healing now is the day of salvation. This is the moment of redemption. It's the moment of freedom and deliverance. But it's a window of opportunity. And a window of opportunity does not last forever. Seek 
ye the Lord while He may be found. Let us be careful and cautious that we don't treat the kingdom of God, the Spirit of God, the Word of God haphazardly as if it will always be there. Let's be careful that we don't live our life in such a casual way that we're not quick to repent because we take for granted that I can always repent. No, there is a window of opportunity. That means that someday that window of opportunity will close. That window of opportunity won't last forever. There is a moment where it will pass And when it passes, no more will you be able to find the Lord. No more will you be able to call upon the Lord. No more will you be able to seek after the Lord. But right now is the time. Right now is the moment. I would like to remind you that there still is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There still is an eternal reward to seek after And there still is everlasting judgment to avoid. It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. But God will not force Himself upon you. He will not force His ways. He will not force His righteousness. He will not force His salvation. But rather, He has given us a window of opportunity. Hear me, every man, woman, boy, and girl, every child, every young person, you have been given a window of opportunity. And can I tell you now is the best time to serve the Lord. Today is the best day to make a decision for the Lord. If you want to live for God, there will never be a better day than today. If you want your life to be made right, there will never be a better moment than tonight. There will never be another window of opportunity as great as right now. If you're looking for salvation, this is the moment. If you're looking for deliverance, this is the moment. If you're looking for everlasting joy, this is the moment. Don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Don't say, tomorrow I'll be a better worshiper. Tomorrow I'll I'll get a prayer life. Tomorrow I'll read the Word of God. Tomorrow I'll call upon the Lord. No, you've been given a window of opportunity. And right now is the best time. The wisest man that ever lived would close out his book of Ecclesiastes, also titled The Preacher. And Solomon would write, at the end of Ecclesiastes, and he would say, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. He goes through a litany of other verses, and then he comes to the conclusion of that thought, and he lets us know that there comes a time where our life on this earth is ended. And if we have waited till that moment, we have missed the window of opportunity. In the greatest of wisdom that's ever walked on this earth, Jesus Christ said of Solomon, There will never be another. And what Solomon had to remind us of was remember 
the creator in the days of your youth. Take advantage of the opportunity that God is giving you now. I'm here to preach to somebody tonight that now is the time. God has given us a window of opportunity. Let us not delay. Let us not put off and say, we'll have revival next year. We'll have revival later on. Don't allow the flesh to say, I'll be a better giver, amen, later on after this. I'll sacrifice more and I'll serve more later on. Can I remind you, you're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what lies before us, but what you have been given is the gift of today. And as Isaiah said, seek Ye the Lord, while he may be found. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord. Let him return unto the Lord. I'm going to tell you, God has given me a burden, as I believe He probably has many of you for backsliders, for those that have fallen away from what God has given them. People who, like we preached this morning, have seen revelation, have experienced revelation, have seen the glory of God at work in their life, but according to the ways of the world, things have grown up in their life, thorns, and they have choked them out. They have choked out the righteousness, victims of situations and circumstances, sometimes those which aren't within their control, and sometimes victims of their own bad decisions and bad mistakes. And now, forever they are haunted by guilt. Forever they are haunted, and they sit. They sit in homes tonight before televisions looking to ease the pain. They sit at bar stools tonight. They go to clubs. They find themselves trying to drown out that feeling, that tug inside of their heart and inside of their soul. But inside there is still a voice calling Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. I'm here to preach, amen, to the Spirit, amen, of our community. Get your hands off the backsliders. He that the Son hath set free is free indeed. There is a window of opportunity. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter how long you've ran. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. Here is a voice of mercy. Here is a voice of pardon. There is hope. There is rescue. Great is the mercy of the Lord. Today, now is the time. Turn your ways to the Lord. Turn and forsake the wicked ways. Let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts and return unto the Lord. and He will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I'm here to tell you that God is a God that can pardon abundantly. He can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And God is a God that can do miraculous things in restoration. You're living in a moment, in a moment of opportunity. You're living in a window of opportunity. Now is the time where we need people to step up. 
Let God lead them. The call of God is without repentance. Perhaps in this room tonight, there sit people who have felt the tug and the pull and the call of God. Perhaps God has given dreams and visions to certain people, but you've never seen them manifest. You've never seen them come to fruition. Now is the time. There's a window of opportunity. God can do the work right now, tonight, today. Now is the best time to live for God. Young people, let me declare this to you. If you aren't in church tonight, you're here because someone brought you. Your parents brought you, a family member brought you, a friend brought you. You're here tonight and God has presented to you a window of opportunity. The greatest time to get on fire for God is while you are young. While you are young, now's the time to become a worshiper. Now is the time to learn to follow after the Spirit of the Lord. Now is the time to learn to follow after the leading of the Holy Ghost. Now is the time as a young person, as a youth, as a child. Now is the time to establish, amen, that every time I go to church, I go to church and I worship till the Holy Ghost comes. The presence of God comes. Now is the time to determine that this is what I am going to do. Because you will never live for God. You will never have a greater opportunity to live for God than you will now. Can I get a witness from the adults? You'll never have more time. You'll never have more energy. You'll never have more resources. And this is what, this is what Solomon was saying. Remember the Creator in the days of your youth. Now is the time. Let me go on. Young people, hyphen, hyphenage, young adults. Now is the time to establish your priorities greater than ever before as you venture out in careers and college and, and, and things and you begin to step out on your own. Now is the time to prioritize God in your life. Now is the time when you become the keeper of your own home. You now are the one who has to give an account for the spirit of that home. You are the one that has to give an account for the tone and the attitude and the atmosphere of that home. You are responsible for what you bring into that house. What kind of things? And I'm going to tell you now is the time for you to say my house shall be a house of the Holy Ghost. I'm a child of God. I want this to be a home of prayer and a home of worship. That's, that's a good place to start. If you're, if you're newly married, if you're young married, let me tell you now is the best time to determine that we are going to be people that are faithful to the kingdom of God. That our marriage, that our relationship is going to be built upon the foundation of God and who He is. Hear me today. Remember Him in the youth. Remember Him where you're at. Don't fall for the lie that says, well, it will be easier later. It will never be easier later. What makes it easier later is when you've already sold out now. When you've already determined now that I am going to live for God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
How many want to see revival? I want to see revival. But revival does not start when the preacher, amen, gets on fire for God. Revival starts in the home. It starts in the household. That's why you've heard me many times as I will pray for households and I will pray for families because I know what happens here is at best going to be a reflection of what's happening out there. And if the majority of those that gather here don't have revival in the home we're fighting an uphill battle every time but if we've got revival in the home when we come together there is a dynamic lift that is waiting for a family on the last thread a marriage hanging by a thread a hopeless life that's looking for one more chance that walks in here amen to have revival poured into their heart I'm telling you God has given us a window of opportunity oh stand together with me tonight we have been given a window of opportunity God goes on, look at this in Isaiah 55. Maybe they can put it on the screen. You don't have to look at your Bibles. But Isaiah 55 and verse 10, here he says, first of all, let's go to verse 9. He says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know what he was letting us know? He was letting us know that you are not going to figure this mercy thing out. You're not going to figure this mercy thing out. Doesn't make sense why God would forgive murder. Doesn't make sense why God would forgive certain things. Pardons that have been passed. Some of you in here have lived a sheltered and a, and a blessed life. That's not a bad thing. That's a wonderful thing. I thank God and my family that my parents are here. I give them honor because they gave me the best opportunity that I could ever have. Somebody said they had a drug problem. They were drugged to Sunday school. They were drugged to morning worship. They were drugged to Sunday night. That's the only drug problem I ever had. And I'm going to tell you, they didn't have to drag me because I loved it. You know why I loved it? I loved it because they loved it. And because the people I was around loved it. It wasn't drudgery, it was exciting. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to go where people were worshiping, where people were getting saved. I wanted to go to, I wanted to see what God was doing. They gave me a great advantage, but there are many, many testimonies in this room which we don't need to make public, but we thank God and we do acknowledge there are many testimonies in this room of pardons where some of you have said, I don't know why God saved me. I don't know how God, I don't know why God did this. You know what God's saying? Your thoughts are not my thoughts. My ways are above your ways. You're not going to understand this. All I'm saying is there's a window of opportunity. This is what Isaiah is saying. All I'm saying is there's a window of opportunity. And all you have to do is be hungry and thirsty. And all you have to know is that the Word of God is going to be true. He goes on and he says, For as the rains come down, and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it, Bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper 
in the thing whereto I sent it. I'm going to tell you the greatest portrait we've ever had of the work of the Word was as John recorded it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word of God, the revealed Logos of God, comes down and He dies on a cross for your sins and for mine. It will not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. What's He's talking about? He's talking about the Word of mercy, the work of mercy. You're not going to understand it, but mercy's going to have its way. And then He says in verse 12, For you shall go out with joy, and be led forth with peace. Mountain and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. You're going to go out with joy, and you're going to go out, be led with peace. You who were guilty, you who were criminal, you who had every manner of sin against you, God says, I'm going to pardon you and I'm going to lead you with joy. And I'm going to lead you with peace. Isn't this what it says? And the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Something that draws me to nature I don't get out there and hug trees. But I love to get out there. Because man, there's, there's so much Word of God that comes to life out there. God, I don't deserve it, but You saved us. You pulled us out of the gutter. Not me, not my parents, but my great-grandparents. You found them in a ditch. You found them literally in a sorry place and You brought them and You cleaned them up and now... The blessings of the Lord can be passed from generation to generation. Now I can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, and I can go out in joy and I can be led in peace in my life. Doesn't make sense. I'm no better than anybody else. But there's a window of opportunity. There's a window of opportunity. Tonight we're going to baptize two young ladies who have decided to give their life to the Lord. Be obedient to the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, where when they were asked the question, after conviction fell upon the crowd on Pentecost, they said, what must we do? They said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift. Of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, God's given us a window of opportunity tonight. He's given us a window of opportunity. Paul would say this, or maybe it was the Apostle Peter, I believe, that said, make your calling and election sure. And so tonight, I want to open up these altars. I want to give you a window of opportunity. Would you bow your heads with me, Lord, right now in Jesus' name?